Hello, this is Revel, and you are listening to Revelations, celebrating the potential. My guest today has had four pregnancies and four at-home births assisted by her husband, Storm. What makes this more than unique is that two of them were done while eating a standard American diet, while two were done on a raw food program. May I present Gingy Talafaro. Good day to you, Gingy. Hi, Rebel. Hi. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Okay, let's just get started. Would you give us some background information or about your food program before RAW? Okay, before RAW, I was on what we call now the standard American diet, and um, that basically consisted of just about anything I wanted to eat. <laughs> so, you know, I, I ate meat, and I ate dairy, and I ate a lot of junk food, and um, a lot of cooked food, and I didn't really think about the difference between raw food and cooked food. It was just uh, whatever was around, whatever people were eating. Um, you know, the, the standard fare that we grew up with here in America was pretty average at that point. And how did you feel? Well, I was um, 25 when I started having uh, a minor health breakdown. I um, I felt okay. You know, I, I, I didn't really register a lot of it consciously, but... You know, looking back, I can I can see what what was wrong with me. I had um, a lump under my right arm, about the size of an egg. I had um, what I call chronic fatigue and depression. I had hypoglycemia and I had candida. Um, and you know, these are all minor things that a lot of people have and just live with and consider themselves still healthy when they have. But you know, the, because I had so many different little things happening, I did somehow start to think, well, you know, maybe I really need to start thinking about my health. And uh, that's what sort of led me to to this path. And when, how, what changed? How did, how did you go? Did you go from, say, a vegetarian to a vegan to raw? Or wh- wh- where did you go? Well, I went straight from a standard American diet to a raw vegan diet vegetarian diet and um, it was pretty much overnight um, I had I had stopped eating as much meat once I left home it was not something that I would buy I would just eat if it was around but I was never really drawn to that um, so I, I guess I was slowly moving towards vegetarian but um, when I when I was in the midst of you know realizing that I really needed to deal with my health I wrote down you know a little sort of ultimatum or something to myself that I was going to really focus on my health. And two weeks later, after writing out this sort of new goal, focus, um, is when I met Storm. I'd met him actually a year ago, but we re-met after not. We seen each other for a long time, and we started uh, going out together, and uh, that's when I started eating a raw food diet. I really didn't realize I was eating raw, because I was spending all my time with this person, and he was eating a raw food diet, so I naturally was eating what he was eating. And he didn't talk about it at that time. He was a closet raw foodist, although he'd been a raw foodist for 30 years. He had learned that it wasn't something you talked about if you wanted to have a normal conversation with people. But uh, <laughs> Yeah, that I understand. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, it tends to become the, the dominant subject if you bring it up. So in order to avoid that, of course, he would, just, he would order food and just stir it around on his plate and eat the salad, and you know, no one would be the wiser. So, um, Anyway, I, I did start eating a raw vegan diet then, and uh, 
was pretty much okay. Uh, I had one couple days of, of a detox crisis where it was like major headache and flu symptoms and you know shaking and um, what's going on kind of thing. And uh, when Storm told me it was detox, I was I was okay with that and um, uh, it just it just passed and I went on and I haven't had any other sort of troubles with transitioning. Wow, yeah. just two days. Yeah, one or two, one, one and a half, somewhere in there. I've had people complain about weeks. Yes, it's funny. There's there's different people will go through detox at different times for different lengths of time. Some people will not experience any detox at all. Some people will get really sick, um, yeah, for like, as you say, for weeks. Some people will have no problem, and then two years after being raw, they'll have a little detox episode. So everybody is different. This is true. Um, give me, for people who really don't know what we're talking about, what is your definition of raw? Okay. Uh, for me, the raw food diet is a raw vegan diet. It, it's um, a diet that you have no animal products in, no meat, no dairy, no eggs. Um, and also you don't eat your food at all. So it's basically fruits, vegetables that haven't been heated, nuts, that haven't been heated and seeds that haven't been heated. So we eat everything in the state that you find it in in nature that it grows in, and we do as little processing, as little altering to the food as possible. So we eat food pretty much how it comes out of the ground. Now I met you a couple of years ago when uh, Adagio was born, mm. and I, if I remember right, I understand that you don't use a dehydrator. Is this correct? That's correct. Yes, and I know a lot of people in the raw food movement do dehydrate their food, and um, in raw food cookbooks you'll find a lot of recipes calling for dehydrated food. If you go to raw food restaurants, there's a large uh, quantity of dehydrated foods there. And it's wonderful for transitioning to raw foods because it tastes a lot like cooked food. Um, but that's because instead of heating something on high for a short period of time, you're heating something on low for a long period of time. And it comes out pretty similar. Now, dehydrated food apparently is still living in that you can have a flax cracker and throw it out in your yard, and apparently it does grow up into flax grass. So something <laughs> of the life force is retained somehow in dehydrating as opposed to cooking. Um, however, my reason for not doing it is um, I have met a lot of raw foodists who did a, a large percentage of dehydrated food. It seems like when you're eating the dehydrated foods, it's more of a comfort food, and it keeps you from eating as much of the fresh foods. And for me, I wanted to just make sure that I'm focusing on eating, you know, the fresh, very um, water-rich, very nutrient-rich foods that uh, are fruits and vegetables. So I try to stay away from the dehydrated. I'll have it once in a while when I go out as a treat. Yeah, I, I read in your uh, Raw Inspiration newsletter that I get every, how often do I get there? Every day. Should be. Yeah. yeah, it should be. <laughs> yeah, there are times when I I don't don't see it for a while, and then all of a sudden it shows up again. Um, and I'm then, playing hooky. Yeah, and there's then there's a lot of them. Right. Um, oh yeah. I remember reading that you had been, I guess, going out a lot and finding that you've been eating a lot of the dehydrated or pre-made foods. And what was your experience on that? Well, that was interesting because I found when I was going out a lot and eating a lot of the dehydrated foods that I would start to crave cooked foods and start losing interest in the raw foods. So that's one of my you know, main reasons for not wanting to do the dehydrated foods is that I enjoy the raw foods so much, 
usually that um, it's very satisfying and fulfilling, but once I start doing what I'm calling the borderline foods, which I think are dehydrated foods, um, the nut butters, the restaurant foods um, that use some non-raw ingredients in them sometimes, they tend to uh, lure me back into that whole cooked food um, addiction, I guess. So uh, that's that's why so you still have challenges with that? I do, I do. Now, now that now that I've realized that those foods, those borderline foods, were causing the challenges, and I'm staying away from them, it's much easier to just stay 100% raw. I think a lot of people listening to this will finally get an idea of what their challenges on that, because I hear that a lot that they they crave foods and they they don't know why. Right, and it's insidious because it might be one food, for instance. It might even be being touted as a raw food superfood. For instance, cacao did the same thing to me. Raw, raw cacao powder and cacao beans are very popular right now. And I started doing them and getting into them, and I found I wasn't doing as well health-wise, and I was starting to crave more cooked foods, and I was blaming the raw food diet as a whole, thinking, well, maybe this really isn't working for me. And then once I cut out the cacao... Um, and went back to just eating the fresh foods. Once again, I came back into balance and started feeling fantastic and stopped craving cooked foods. So it might be something you don't even realize isn't a positive food. So it's, it takes a lot of vigilance. It takes a lot of really paying attention to your diet and to what you've changed and you know what, what you might want to try cutting out. And, and I think having that guideline of fresh, um, real hydrated foods as your predominant, you know, 80 or 90 percent fresh foods, you know, that, that can probably really help. If not, and if, if you're finding that that 10 percent is you know, pulling you away from raw foods, then you might be the type of personality like me that really needs to be 100 percent raw and 100 percent fresh food. Yeah, um, I've heard more than one person say that the best way to go is 100 percent, that that few percentages would make a major difference in their health and in their cravings. Right. And I've found that, that there are different personality types. Some people, if they go 100% raw, it drives them crazy and they just can't do it. So for those people, 10 or 20% of cooked food might be actually a good idea in order to help them to stay with predominantly raw. Um, but those people are generally not as addictive personalities. They have more of a balanced sort of... Um, way of life anyway. But if you're moderate people. Yeah. But but whereas people like me who have had food addiction problems and who have been, you know, really um, extreme into bad food, sometimes we need to do 100% in order to stay on the path. It's almost like being on the wagon for an alcoholic. Mm hmm. And I think most people actually um, are that way for what I've seen. Yeah. Predominantly, yes. Okay. Um,. I don't want to get started on another question because we're going to take a t- uh, ten, well, a few second uh, station break here, and uh, so I'm going. Uh, we'll be right back. Okay. Okay, we're back with Junji Talaparo of the Garden Diet, and if you want to see her website, it would be www.thegardendiet.com. You have to remember the T H E in there. I, I know when I email you, it's garden diet, and oops, comes right on back. Anyway, we were talking about uh, raw foods and how they affect the body. What do you think are is really the main challenge with people who can't stay a hundred percent? Well, 
that's difficult. It's so individual. Um, I think for some people, maybe for most people, it would be the social aspect. I think it's it's really difficult to swim upstream against all of society, and you're out with your friends or your coworkers, and um, it can be very tempting, and um, you can feel very strange. And with family, um, uh, that's also another difficulty, especially if it's family that you live with, of course, then that's an additional challenge. Um, if you're bringing up kids, then, you know, the parents, the grandparents are going to really worry. So there's a, a lot of people have chosen not to do this diet because they don't want to, you know, offend family and friends. And, you know, that's, that is one of the most difficult considerations. Now, how, how easy is it for you to get organic raw food? Well, we live in Southern California, so we're really fortunate. Um, we do live way up in the mountains in Kern County, and there is no organic food up here. So Storm drives about two hours each way, twice a week, to Santa Barbara to the farmer's markets to shop there. Um, there are some farmer's markets a little closer, but the ones in Santa Barbara, he's known the farmers there for 25, 30 years, and uh, they're organic, and he trusts them and has a relationship with them and the food. So um, it's just we feel very lucky to live so close. Uh, comparatively, we were in Canada before, so being back here in Southern California and having access to fresh food year-round, organically grown, uh, we just feel really, really lucky. Now, one of the things I hear from a lot of people is the evenings are the hardest for them. What, what would you say to them if somebody said that to you? Right. Well, um, that is the main meal of the day in this culture, and we're used to sitting down and having a big meal. So I think having a sort of um, a sit-down dinner would be really helpful to make, you know, a big raw food meal and to sit down at the table, set the table and eat it, you know, with family or on your own, um, even if you're eating something different from the rest of your family. Um, I think that, that would be good. Something that's helped me a lot in the evenings is uh, orange juice because it, it's sweet. It's like a dessert. Um, it's it's filling, actually. It's very um, full of nutrition. And so after I drink orange juice, I, I really, it takes away all my cravings. I don't feel like I need anything else. So a nice big glass of orange juice sitting on the couch reading a book will, um, will definitely help me. Now, other people might find different comfort foods in the raw food realm that, that they start to relate to as, as a comfort food, but if you can just think in the raw food realm, what do I really feel like having? And just even if you have to go to the store and get that particular food, you know, go and get it and, and enjoy it and make it your comfort food. So we have to sort of reprogram ourselves to have new kinds of comfort foods. Um, I think so that's part of, part of eating. It's not just for nutrition. It's also to make us just feel good and to have these little rituals in our lives. Yeah, I, I think the biggest problem sending people out to get food would be they, they, they're hungry and they're going to go out and get what they consider comfort food yeah, yeah. instead of something fresh and raw and natural. Right. Um, what I usually tell people is a lot of times is they've not nourished themselves enough during the day. Right. And what I, I know you don't usually you don't have a regular job to go to but I know you you guys been doing a lot of filming and a lot of work and stuff how do you keep the food going do you usually work in a studio or do you work in the you know around your home so that you always have the food how, how would you 
say to uh, say carry the food or have it available during the day when you're out and about? Right. We are lucky in that we work from home. We have a home studio and home office. But working out in, um, in say, a, a company, an office, um, well, if you're in a major city, you're in luck now because there's a lot of raw food restaurants sprouting up and raw food delivery services. If you go to the rawveganetwork.com, they have about 300 graduates around the country. It's a network that we helped start and we sold to some of our graduates. And they have uh, raw food delivery people all over the country. So Okay, Genji, hold that thought. Yeah. We'll be right back. And when we come back, we're going to finish that thought and then talk about your pregnancies and births. Great. Okay. All right, this is Revel Revity with Revelations, Celebrating the Potential, and we are back with Gingy Telefaro of The Garden Diet. Hey. Hey. <laughs> <laughs> okay, you were saying we were talking about how to get food when you're out and about, say you're at work all day, and then you come home starving because you've not really nourished yourself. Right. Now, there's some good alternatives for bringing food with you to work if you're not in a place where there's raw restaurants um, and raw delivery services or maybe a Whole Foods down the street, a Whole Foods store where you can go and now buy many different prepared raw foods um, in the prepared food section. Um, you can bring um, celery slices and carrot, carrot sticks and celery sticks, of course. There's all kinds of fruit that are really, that travel really well, like apples and pears and bananas and grapes and plums and, um, you know, there's just a lot of different kind of fruits that are pretty much like a packaged food packaged in their in their skins. Um, so that's good. Now you can also buy um, personal blenders, which you, you can travel with. They're very small and fit in your purse or briefcase, and you can, um, you know, blend up a smoothie at, at your workplace. If, if they would let you in their kitchen to set up some kind of... Um, little area where you could maybe have a blender or whatever other, um, you know, equipment you might want to use. Um, that's another option. Okay. Yeah. Now everybody is tuned in because they want to hear about your pregnancies and your births. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's why they're here. Okay. Even if they're not, that's what we're going to talk about. Now, you had your first child, Raven. Were you raw or still eating cooked? And how old, I, how old is Raven now first? Raven is now 12 years old, and I um, had been with Storm for about um, a few months when I found out I was pregnant with Raven. So I had been raw for a few months. I'd been experiencing, you know, the wonderful benefits of weight loss and healing from all kinds, all these things that were bothering me at the time. And... Um, but when I got pregnant, uh, I started researching nutrition for the first time uh, because suddenly I was responsible for this child in my womb, and um, I really wasn't ready to sort of go with trusting the raw diet for pregnancy at that time. I, I wanted to really do it according to the book. So I started to, you know, I didn't think you could get enough protein or enough calories and uh, wanted to make sure I was, I was eating all the different foods that, that would give me the complete protein. So I went on to a cooked vegan diet when I was pregnant with Raven. I was still eating very healthful and eating a lot of raw foods, but I was also force-feeding myself peanut butter sandwiches and beans and rice, and I was eating pasta and bread. And, um, and uh, 
Well, um, my pregnancy was fairly successful and didn't didn't have any troubles with it. Um, and but my labor was uh, although we we did all four births of all four of our children at home with Storm as you know midwife. Um, I had a 30-hour labor with Raven. And, mm, um, mm, mm. Yeah. <laughs> 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 it was intense, you know, as an all childbirths are, but um, it, uh, you know, no problems. I got to stay home and didn't have to go to the hospital, so that was, that was nice. And um, the baby was healthy and uh, has been ever since. So uh, and then with my second pregnancy, well, let's see, about, about a year after Raven was born, I managed to get back onto the raw diet. And it's, it's funny how long it takes, takes you when you go off it to get back on. Yes. But I finally managed to get back on. And then about a year after that, I uh, became pregnant with my second child, whose name is Joan, who is now 10 years old. Nine or 10? Nine, <laughs> sorry. He's nine years old. <laughs> and um, so I, I had been raw for quite a while. I'd read um, books about people who had uh, had, actually it was one book in particular. It's Dr. Walker's Fresh Fruit and Vegetable Juices. And in the back of that book, there's a story about a woman who did a raw vegan pregnancy. And she said her baby slipped out like a little lamb and it was painless. And I thought, well, that would be nice. So I stayed raw with Joan, and sure enough, um, my labor with Joan was um, about an hour. Wow. Yeah. What a total, difference. Yes, total. That short labor, long labor, the whole shebang, and, and quite um, painless for the most part. And um, in fact, after I gave birth to Joan, I was standing there holding him on the floor, and I said to her, I don't feel like I've given birth. <laughs> it was amazing, and I helped to clean up the birthing area that we set up. And um, I think most women can't even imagine that. You know, the way uh, pregnancy and birth is treated in this culture, it's, it's considered a medical emergency. Yeah, it's a disease. Right. <laughs> and I, in fact, I was talking with a woman yesterday who... Uh, had given birth to her first child in the hospital, had a terrible experience. The second time, she just decided she was going to do it on her own in the hospital. So very quietly, without attracting any attention, she just popped the baby out on her on her own. And the hubbub that ensued was just, they were in uh, up and up. How could she do that? They were just so, you know, all the doctors and nurses flocking to make sure everything was okay. And it, it really is considered a medical emergency. So, And we're we're conditioned to believe that. So part of you know, um, the success with, with the home birth and birthing on one's own, I think, is really releasing those beliefs and just realizing this is a natural thing that our bodies know how to do. We don't know how to do it. I mean, we can try and think and get our minds around how to give birth, but it's not even something that we do ourselves, much less the doctors. It's something our body does. Sure. And the more we can get out of the way of our body and just let it do its thing, the better. Exactly. Yeah. So you had a third child. Okay. So <laughs> now what happened after Joan was born, um, all the children were equally healthy and weighed about the same, by the way, and um, about seven pounds all my children were. So after Joan was about six weeks old, we moved up to Canada, and uh, I stayed raw that summer and had an incredible summer, actually, of eating out of my garden in Canada and this really rich uh, virgin rainforest soil that we were growing our garden in there and we had a lake nearby and I was swimming every day in the lake and 
just feeling this incredible level of health that I'd never experienced before. Um, I think I rejuvenated into my teens or something. I was just feeling so high on life and sleeping about five hours a night. And that's when we came up with calling our diet the garden diet. Oh. Eating out of the garden just seemed to make such a huge difference in our um, health levels. And then that winter, I actually started slipping back to a cooked food diet slowly. It happened slowly, but just like starting to cheat a little bit. That well, you know, I could just have a little once in a while of something. <laughs> and so one thing led to another, and within a few months, I was off the path completely. And once I was off, I thought, well, I'll just have a little of this and a little of that, and you know, make up for all the things that I didn't do when I was raw. And uh, I think I ate worse than ever. Um, and within six months, I actually the lump under my right arm and my right breast returned. My candida returned, um, and I realized that I, I really needed to get back to uh, to a raw food diet. My hypoglycemia came back. All the same problems came back, and um, trying trying to get back to uh, a raw vegan uh, to a raw vegan diet actually took me two years. And during this time, um, after about a year, I conceived Shale. We conceived Shale shall I say, <laughs> our third child, and she is now five years old, and so I actually had a cooked pregnancy with Shale, um, and I wasn't able to get back to a raw vegan diet, I didn't find that doorway to be able to get back, so I was on a cooked diet, and my in my mind, my first pregnancy, my first labor had been long, and my second labor had been short, because it was the first and the second child. And so I thought Shale was going to be a zip. I thought I was going to pop her out in about five minutes because of the ratios of going from 30 hours to one hour to now it's going to be five minutes. So you, you, <laughs> didn't, you didn't relate this to the food. I hadn't at this point related the easy pregnancy to, really to the food. Um, you know, I thought maybe the rubbing that might have had something to do with it, but it wasn't really locked in. So Shale ended up being a 40-hour labor. Oh, my God. Yeah. And <laughs> it was just... Uh, flabbergasted by that, but um, about two weeks after giving birth to Shale, um, I had this vision in my head of spinning molecules of raw food, spinning really fast, and because it's live, and then making the tissues in your body, if you're eating predominantly raw food, spin really fast, the molecules of your tissues which would make them more elastic, which would explain why giving birth on raw food was so easy and which would explain why people's wrinkles go away. Supposedly when they eat raw food, some women experience that or people experience that, um, why they can suddenly be more active. I think the tissues just become more elastic. Um, why, for instance, when people lose a lot of weight on raw food, they don't sagging flesh problem that people do on other diets. Um, and then I, and I saw the molecules in cooked food spinning sort of slowly and causing these denser molecules and then denser tissues. Um, and that was sort of just this really quick vision that flashed in my head that suddenly made me realize it was, it was really a, a huge moment in my life because it made me feel on a really deep level that this is the diet that we're meant to eat and that humans do the best on and that our bodies are meant to have. And so... I instantly went 100% raw at that time and have been 
100% more or less since that time. With I call it 100% with cheating because for the first two years I was 100%, the second two years 100% with cheating, and now the last year, um, you know, maybe once I think in the last six months I've had a, a, a departure. Well, I think <laughs> but, you, you know I think you're helping a lot of people here because they're figuring that somebody in your position where you live and your husband being raw for over 30 years now, that if you can cheat, that it's tough for you, then what does it say for them? That's a really good point, Neville. And, you know, I've had people tell me, oh, as a raw teacher, you can't show people your weaknesses. And You have to. I I said, well, I'm just going to be myself and tell people what's really going on. And I have had a lot of people say that they appreciate that because it shows them, you know, that... The battle is ongoing. It's not something where you reach this point for all people necessarily, and then it's just smooth sailing from there. Some of us, for some of us, it's a lifelong battle. You know, for Storm, even though my husband is, is on the rock and he doesn't have these issues with cheating, he still has issues where he wants to cheat and he still fights it. It's just he has methods in place that are very, very helpful and that, that really work as far as not letting him cheat himself cheat. And I'm slowly getting there, too, where that's happening. But I can't say that I'll, I'll be on the rock forever because I know better. You know, you, you could always slip, and then you have to know how to handle that and how to get yourself back. Yeah, you have to be willing to do battle, basically. Yeah. yeah, well, I prefer not to look at it as a battle because it creates tension, but I don't know a better word or a better way to change that so it sounds like a less of a... Uh, I don't know. Less of a battle. Well, for you, you know, that's valid. I think different people have to use their own philosophies, and we all have our different different ways that we work. And, you know, for you to look at it as a battle probably would be a negative thing. And I think for a lot of people who, you know, you're, you do create your own reality. And you know, we have to honor that everyone is different in how they're going to achieve this. There's really no cookie-cutter way. And so we have to make it work for ourselves. We can't try to follow someone else's way of doing it, although, you know, it can be helpful for a while to follow different people and experiment with different ways of doing it. Ultimately, you take what you can, what the best from each person, what works for you, what resonates with you, and you have to, really, you have to do it on your own. Exactly. Okay, we're going to take another station break, and when we come back, we're going to hear about Adagio. Okay, wonderful. Okay, we're back with Gingy Talafaro of The Garden Diet. And Gingy was talking to us about her births. And when I met Storm and Gingy, Gingy had just had Adagio. And that was just just a little over two years ago. Is that correct? Yes, that's right. And when I saw Gingy, her stomach was flat. And I think she had had, it's either a week or a month after. I think it was a, a week after you had the baby. Is this correct? Yeah, it was, yeah, I think it was three or four weeks after that we had our first retreat. So so it was about four weeks after. Yeah. Okay. And, I mean, if I had seen you any place else and I had not seen the baby, I'd have thought you had not had a baby. (laughs) Yes. Now, this is, you know, going back to the elasticity of the tissues. Um, you know, here I am, I'm at uh, what they call the high-risk age at 37 years old, having a baby. Anything after 35, I think they consider it a higher risk. And um, my stomach popped back faster than, than ever before, and I think it was because of, I was eating, you know, more raw foods at a higher level, higher, you know, we'd, we'd refine the diet to really 
you know, no, the no dehydrated and just really all fresh, fresh foods. And uh, I think this was a big part of it. Um, so I had um, been raw also for some time before I got pregnant with Adagio, which I think was also a big help, big factor in that. So, and also the labor with Adagio after doing this 100% raw diet, it was um, two hours. So, and that was start to finish, and not only that, but it was the most painless labor out of all four. It was, it was really, there was one contraction where I had some pain out of my whole two hours. Wow. Uh, other than that, it was, it was almost blissful and ecstatic. I was actually dancing through my contractions through the whole early part of the labor. And Look at then, you. Yeah, it actually helped a lot. It was amazing. Like, I always used to try to different positions. And this time I had read about another woman, Hygieia Hoffman, who wrote the book uh, Primal Mothering in a Modern World. She wrote about her birthing experience, and she was a dancer, and she had danced through her labors, and it said it had made the contractions a lot easier. So I tried it, and it sure did, because you can adjust right there. Each second you're adjusting um, through your dance in this really sort of happy way to where your body wants to move and how it wants to move and um the storm kind of was lying on the bed watching <laughs> just thought i was nuts but <laughs> i think he's used to you by now yeah yeah he's used to me being <laughs> and i to him so yeah but um yeah so so that was really sort of fun and then the the hard part of labor when it gets really intense after the water breaks um was really you know, intense, but I knew, of course, that it, the baby was coming in the next few minutes. As my hard labors are always very short. I, I don't know if that's the case for everyone, but, you know, 15 minutes or so for the mm. hard labor. Um, and at one point, I was, um, when I started feeling some pain in that one contraction, I was groaning, and then Storm put his hand on my back, and it actually, my groan turned into a moan <laughs> wow. of pleasure. It was really magical. It was as though his hand on my back just sort of sent these waves of warmth through my body and just sort of turned the pain into pleasure is how I, you know, have to describe that. And it was really, really magical. And so I had been reading about how, you know, you know, if you have your husband there and, and um, with natural childbirth, if, if your husband and you are sort of doing some sort of sexual foreplay kind of things, that it, it helps the speed up the birth because of the sort of um, uh, chemicals that it releases in the body. Okay, I have two quick questions yes. since we've only got about a minute left. Um, eye drops after you had the babies. We never did them. Good. The babies were fine. Excellent. Um, okay. We're going to have to cut it short now. <laughs> but I thank you so much for taking the time to be with us, and you are going to join us again very soon. Right. Wonderful. Thank you, Rebel, for having me. It was fun. You're very welcome. That's it for today. Thank you for joining us. On the schedule next week is Melissa Davison. For all of you who have aspired to a career in raw foods, Melissa has done it all. Personal chef catering and she currently owns her own restaurant in Redondo Beach here in sunny Cazao Cal. Looking forward to sharing her wonderful journey with you. Until then, bye for now and always remember to play with your food. <laughs>